Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. All right, welcome in after your Red Sox beat the Toronto Blue Jays tonight 2-1 to one over at Fenway. Big first one of the series for the Sox, especially considering the fact that the offense really was MIA in this particular game. It's been a theme throughout the season. We've seen a couple of these games where the offense has really gotten going tonight, of course, was not one of those nights, especially when you look at the other side of things and you see Kikuchi on the mound for the Blue Jays. You thought this is going to be a real opportunity for the offense of the Red Sox to break out, and it looked like that was going to happen early. I mean, Kikuchi was lost. The first two batters, he walks Kike on four pitches. And then he walks Trevor Story on five pitches. And you felt like, all right, Red Sox are cooking with gasoline early in this game because Kikuchi has not been a good pitcher over the past couple of years. His hard hit rate falls off the bat at 95 miles an hour, 47%. That was the worst of any starter that threw 150 innings last year. So you really felt like the offense was going to get going today. It did not. But, and we'll get into this in greater detail, some of the issues they're having from an offensive perspective right now. But we have to acknowledge what the bullpen did. Nathan Evaldi, to a lesser extent as well, you sort of expect it out of Nathan Evaldi. But did anybody expect the bullpen to be where it is right now? That's one of the positives you really have to highlight with this team so far this season. Because for the most part, the bullpen has been pretty damn good. Entering tonight, in fact, they had a 29.3% strikeout rate which is the second best in all of Major League Baseball. And I felt like some of the guys that came out of the pen tonight, that was pitching. That was real pitching from those guys. First of all, you just heard Strom talking with Will and Joe and Sean after the game. He was tremendous, right? I mean, you think about it. He comes in for Nathan Evaldi. And Evaldi, I mean, he battled. He did not have his best stuff. He threw 12 splitters tonight. He didn't get a single swing and miss on his splitter, and he didn't get a single called strike. So he was out there battling without his best stuff. One of those outings for Nathan Evaldi where you just give the guy credit for only giving up one run. I mean, he battled through that a couple of long at-bats there in the fourth inning of the ball game. So I give Nathan Evaldi a lot of credit for the way that he was able to get through this game. He's been getting hit a lot harder than he was a season ago, so something certainly to look at as – we go on tonight is why exactly is Avaldi getting barreled up and letting rockets off the bat unlike he did a season ago. But what I look at in this game in particular is the fact that in that fifth inning, after Avaldi gets Gurriel to pop out, immediately Alex Cora goes to the bullpen to get the lefty to face Collins, who, of course, Collins earlier in this game had hit the home run off Nathan Evaldi, which is another conversation throughout the show. I don't know why Evaldi leans on the cutter so much. I just feel like that's a pitch that he doesn't need. He's got the curveball for lefties. I don't know why he needs to use that cutter so much. And look, I get it. He's got five pitches. He mixes it all up. I just don't feel like that cutter is an effective pitch. But nonetheless, so he then strikes out Collins on a nasty slider. That's something I give Bloom a lot of credit for. This team emphasized slider usage of the offseason as it pertains to the bullpen. It's up about 5% from where it was a season ago. So they got a lot more guys out there that can throw sliders, including Whitlock, who didn't even throw his slider tonight. The other day, he threw a bunch of sliders, and he got eight swings on his sliders, and he got seven misses. So, I mean, Whitlock's slider is like a totally new thing this year from where it was a season ago. In fact, going into tonight, he had a whiff rate over 70% of that thing. Guys were just swinging and missing like crazy. But nonetheless, top of the six, Strom comes back out. And here's what I love about Strom. And I know a lot of you will appreciate this. The guy works quickly. 
He gets the ball, and he throws it. And tonight, top of the sixth inning goes right through the, these guys. Doesn't give up one single hard-hit ball. Gets Chapman to fly out on a four-seamer. Gets Kirk to fly out on a four-seamer. And gets Tappy to ground out on a two-seamer. So four outs from Matt Strom. A guy that I don't know if you're like me, nobody knew who this guy was before this season. We're Googling, trying to find out who this guy is. We find it, oh, my God, he had this amazing workout for the Red Sox. Like, ah, okay. Seems like a reclamation project. But, no, this guy has worked out in a major way for the Red Sox. And then in the seventh inning, because the Red Sox, yeah, they get that insurance run. Thank you so much to Bo Bichette, who, look, that guy, man, holy crap, is he a bad fielder. 24 errors a season ago. 13 throwing errors. He had two more throwing errors tonight. This guy's a mess defensively. It's not like he can't get to balls. You can tell he's rangy. I don't know what he's doing. It's just sloppy. And look, Vladimir Guerrero Jr. over there at first base, obviously not a premier defender or anything along those lines. He should be able to pick a ball like that, but I don't know what Bichette's doing. Plenty of time there. Just take your time, set your feet, throw it. And I mean, that guy's a mess at shortstop defensively. But the other thing I'd point out is situational hitter. From Connor Wong, a guy you just called up from AAA to get that ball in the air. But nonetheless, you get to the seventh inning. Robles comes in. This guy has been an absolute monster. Remember at the trading deadline when people, and look, I'll admit this. I was complaining about the trade of, trade four rather, of Robles. I'm like, wait, hold on. This guy had a, this guy was terrible in Minnesota. Guys were hitting rockets off the guy. Over 50% of the time, guys put... The bat and the ball, it was coming off the bat over 95 miles an hour. That's not good. The Red Sox get him here, and he completely changes his pitch arsenal. Give Cora credit, give Dave Bush credit, give Hein Bloom credit, where he's relied on that slider more. But he comes in at the top of the seventh, gets Espinal to ground out, gets Springer to ground out, gets Bichette to ground out. And then the eighth inning, man, this is when pitching was pitching. He was dealing in that eighth inning. He gets Vladimir Guerrero on the seventh pitch of the at-bat. Fastball up on the outside corner of the zone. Absolutely dotted. You're talking about one of the best hitters in the sport. Couldn't even pull the trigger on that. He's complaining to the umpire about the call. It was a strike. And then he sits down Guriel looking at an absolutely nasty slider. There's no way that Guriel could have pulled the trigger on that one. And then you get Diekman to come in, and you bring him in for the lefty. Okay? And by the way, now you look at Robles. Five innings, one hit. Five innings, one hit. Then you look at Diekman. He comes in and Collins is the lefty. You bring him to get out, but Collins ends up singling on a 204 seamer, and that's because Diekman, who has trouble with control sometimes, but he falls behind, so you know a fastball is coming if you're Collins. You're able to get a nice hit there if you're Collins, who had a nice game tonight for Toronto, but then he gets Chapman to fly out on the slider, so no harm, no foul, and Whitlock gets the job done. So I have been really impressed with the bullpen so far this season. Look, there are some exceptions. The Cutter-Crawford project, we'll see if that thing gets back on track because obviously yesterday was a major step back for Cutter-Crawford. Matt Barnes still, we have no idea what's going on with that guy. So, yeah, there's some guys you certainly have questions about, but I feel good about Whitlock. I feel good about Diekman. I feel really good about Robles right now, really, really good about Robles, and really good about Strom. So I feel like the bullpen is in a pretty good spot right now. Okay, and by the way, it can get better. Once Sale comes back, once Paxton comes back, then you can put Hoke in his natural position, at least from my perspective, which is in the bullpen. All right, a lot more to get into. The number is 617-779-7937. Brian Barrett with you up all the way until midnight tonight. So... A lot on the table tonight, and you will hear from the manager, Alex Cora, when we come back. But I want to get into one of the concerns I have with the offense right now. I don't know why this problem continues to happen. We'll address it next. Plus, I do want to get into the Cutter Crawford situation because this is a development that the Red Sox are going to have to answer for in short order. We'll get into all that next right here on EI. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. If your day sounds like... We need the report ASAP. You deserve Medella. If you've persevered through... 
deserve this rich golden lager with a crisp and refreshing taste. Or if you overcame, two more reps, two more. You deserve this ice cold reward. Medela, the Markable Fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. All right, welcome back in. Brian Barrett with you up until midnight. So your Red Sox right now sit, sit at 6-5 and five after this 2-1 to one win over the Blue Jays tonight. If you told me before, before the game the Red Sox are going to score two runs and they were going to win this game, I would have told you you're absolutely crazy. But that's exactly what they did because of the outing by Evaldi, because of what Robles did in particular. Strom was really good. Diekman got the one batter he needed to, and... Garrett Whitlock, of course, came in and he got the save. So the bullpen executed. Still some questions right now with what exactly is going on with this offense. So if you want to weigh in on the issues that this offense has had over the past couple of days, that's on the table. What do you make of the bullpen so far? And how do you feel about the rotation going forward? We expect Evaldi to be good. But Pavetta goes tomorrow, and he's been a mess in his first two outings of the season. Walker's been really good. Rich Hill, one good one, one not-so-good one. And then there's Tanner Houck, one where he didn't have his command. And I would even argue in the second one, didn't have his command either. So all that on the table at 617-779-7937. worth you up until midnight. Before before we go any further, let's hear from the manager, Alex Cora. They put good at bats against Nate. Got the pitch count up. Um, you know, he battled. Uh, Espino put a great at bat in the third inning, I think it was. When Manny's current position... And then uh, the bullpen did an outstanding job. Uh, Strami has been solid for us. We like the matchups there. Um, and Robles hasn't pitched in a while. Gave us just out. Digman, you know, gets the out. And, uh, you know, I took a chance with Witt. You know, um, um, that's not the perfect situation for, to use him, you know. We would like him to stretch him out. But, you know, where we were in the game and you know, the, the game that it was, I felt going to him. Yeah, we were very aggressive. Yeah, it was a very aggressive day, too. And sometimes those kids in the clubhouse, they deserve that, you know. After everything that we went on, uh, you know, we got Plow watching the game on TV, Christian watching the game on TV. There's certain days that, you know what, the human element takes over. And um, it seems like a playoff game, right? And I manage it like a playoff game. It was a very heavy day for everybody. A lot of stuff going on. And you know what, I went for the win. He's doing okay. He just, yeah, he just has a, a raspberry or strawberry or whatever they call it, you know. He just, I asked him, when was the last time you slide? And he was, he's like, yeah, when I got that hit last year in Atlanta. He's leading to second, I guess. Yeah, he hit a double or whatever. Yeah, so. Yeah, that was good. That was great play by Bobby. We played good defense, too. That was, uh, like, all-around game. Obviously, the offense, we got to get going, and we will. But uh, overall, defensively, Wonger did a good job. Uh, you know, man at second, no outs. Jackie hits a ground ball. We get the sack fly. You know, um, all around, it was, a, it was a good baseball game. It was a good, great baseball game. No, the, the swings were good the whole night. Uh, we know he can hit. And he has a good approach. Uh, but just to be able to slow it down behind the plate against one of the best offensive clubs in the big leagues and just think about the process and the scouting report and what we have to do, yeah, I mean, it was a great game. I mean, they, they, they've been throwing bullpens uh, in the last two years. They've been together. So he, he knows him. Uh, he's done a good job with him whenever he catches him. And uh, overall, he's a good defensive catcher. Uh, he retains information, and, and we like, you know, what he does behind the plate. Yeah, I mean, the bats are getting better, uh, especially Trevor. You can see it. Even the last one, the strikeout. 
uh, more aggressive in the zone, getting his pitches. So uh, it's, a, it's a process, and um, we we will be better. Obviously, you know, uh, we won more than two runs, but today was enough to win the game. I think it started with mechanics. Uh, when he got here, he was off, and uh, Bushy and Walk, and then some of the guys last year, uh, they got him straight up mechanic-wise. His stuff is really good. It's been really good for a while. Um, I think he had a great year with the Angels, and then he struggled the next year. And, um, you know, the changeup is good, the slider is good, and the fastball is really good. So uh, he likes it here, too, he says, you know. And uh, it's a guy that uh, from afar, you see him, and you're like, well, you know, that stuff should play at the big league level. And so far, he's been, he's been playing here within Boston. All right, so that was the manager after the game, Alex Gore. If you want to react to anything he said, certainly can. at 617-779-7937. First of all, I agree with him. It did feel like a playoff game. And I don't begrudge him at all for going for the win. Why not? You don't know how many games you're going to win in this series. You have your best pitcher on the mound. He battled through this. You have an opportunity to win the game. I have no problem with the way that he handled the bullpen whatsoever. You go for the win. When you have an opportunity to win a game against the Blue Jays, you go ahead and you do it. And he also mentioned Connor Wong. I give him a lot of credit. Of course, had the game-winning RBI and was catching Nathan Evaldi. Obviously, those guys have a relationship. He's caught him in the offseason. They both live in the Houston area in the offseason. And I feel like he presents the ball better than Vasquez does. Quite frankly, you look at two zones, right? Zone 17 and 19 is how they're labeled, which zone 17 is away from righties. And zone 19 is away from lefties. So down and away, Vasquez never gets any strikes in that area. Never gets any extra ones. I mean, you look at it down and away to righties, it's about 21.4% of the time. And to lefties, it's 16.7% of the time. I mean, you got guys that are at 61.5. It won't stay that way for the season. But you got guys that will finish in that area over 45%. I've never felt like Vasquez does a good job framing the ball at all. And I felt like Juan does a good job presenting it. But, I mean, that's a total digression. I just give a lot of credit for coming up, producing his first game of the team this season. A couple of other things. He mentioned we got to get the offense going. Two runs was enough tonight, but they got to get the offense going. And I could not agree more. And that's what has me feeling optimistic going forward is the one thing that we were wondering about with this team entering the season or the one thing we weren't wondering about, we knew that it would – Deliver is the offense, and the offense has been up and down so far this season. We've seen, like, many explosions, but we haven't seen this Red Sox offense take off and be consistent, which I believe that you and I all believe that that's going to happen. This team is going to hit. There's no way around it this team will hit. We all believe that, right? But they got to get going because, look, you're 11 games into this thing. Great, you're 6-5. and five. But this offense is going to start winning you some baseball games, which it really hasn't for the majority of the season. I give the bullpen a ton of credit. They've been winning with pitching a lot. And one of the things this team could start to do, get some leads. Remember how often last season the Red Sox were playing from ahead. They're not doing that this year. You look at it on the season from the first to the third inning entering today, and this number will stay the same. But they had 13 runs from the first to the third inning this year. 13 runs. I was 19th in the baseball. They're on base percentage in the first three innings of games this season. 219. Last in baseball. Last in all of baseball. The Red Sox. Last in on base percentage of the first three innings of games. 170 batting average, 28th. 387 slugging percentage, 15th. 606 OPS, 23rd in baseball. This is not the Red Sox that we're expecting expecting to see at the beginning of the season. And look, I'm not telling you I don't think it's going to happen. Things are going to turn for this offense. They have too many talented hitters in this lineup. But it'd be nice to see these guys get after some of these starting pitchers. For whatever reason, they haven't been able to get after the starters. They've beat up some bullpens pretty bad this season. But they, for whatever reason, can't get to these starters. I mean, look at the list of guys that the Red Sox have faced this year. Sonny Gray. The Red Sox had two earned off Sonny Gray. A guy that they historically have absolutely clobbered. Two earned runs. Dylan Bundy, who stinks. That guy has not pitched well against the Red Sox whatsoever. One earned. Garrett Cole, opening day, three earned. All in what? The first inning of that game. Erod. I know that the Red Sox scored seven runs on Erod, but remember, only two were earned. Five unearned off Erod. Severino, two earned. Jordan Montgomery, three earned. Tyler Alexander, three earned. Matt Manning, one earned. Bailey Ober, the dude the other day that's like seven foot nine, zero earned. 
Joe Ryan won earned, and Kikuchi, who was one of the worst pitchers in baseball season, won earned, or baseball last season, won earned. So this is the issue that I have with this offense. They have got to start to hit. And it's something that I don't want to get overly upset about. It's just it's got to happen soon, right? They need this offense to start carrying the team early in the season, which it hasn't done so far this year. And I look at another trend that is getting to be a little bit disappointing is hitting with runners in scoring position. So tonight they're one for 11. And now on the season, their on-base percentage entering tonight was 25th in Major League Baseball with runners in scoring position at 292. That's down to 250 after tonight. And their batting average now with runners in scoring position is 244. This is a team that last year, when they smelled blood, they delivered and they got to the opposing pitchers. So far this season, we have not seen this with this Red Sox team in terms of the situational hitting, quite frankly, has not been very good for this team whatsoever. And they had plenty of opportunities in this game. I go to the first inning after the Kike walk, the story walk, Devers, who has been one of the best hitters in the sport, he grounds into a double play, and then Bogarts grounds it up on a changeup. That was the moment I felt like in the game, you could have knocked Kikuchi out in the first inning. Instead, the Red Sox are out of there after the Devers double play and the Bogarts ground out. And look, I don't want to take shots at Devers and Bogarts. Devers has been outstanding all year. Bogarts has really turned it on over the past three to four games or so. But that's an opportunity where the Red Sox have to score. And it goes with this theme. They're not scoring in the first three innings of games. You go to the bottom of the second inning. Not as if you had a whole lot in that particular inning to have an opportunity. But J.D. did walk because, remember, Angel Hernandez got involved in the game after Kukuche went to his mouth. Then Verdugo grounds out. And then Dahlback goes down on strikes. And the Dahlback thing is starting to become concerning. Because we're seeing a ton of swing and miss early this season. Obviously, we saw it a lot last year. His called strike plus whiff rate, which means how often are you getting a called strike or are you swinging and missing? It's at 35.6%. That's the worst in all of Major League Baseball. That's where he was a season ago as well. Dead last in Major League Baseball in that statistical category. Then Arroyo grounds up. All right, then you had an opportunity in the third inning, okay? Story after Wong grounds out at a four-seamer. Kike then doubles on a fastball, four-seamer middle-middle. And maybe this gets Kike going because he walked to start the game and he doubled. I know Mutt wants him out of the leadoff spot, but he was pretty good tonight. He doubles on a fastball, four-seamer middle-middle. Then Story's able to single on a slider. Kike scores, makes it a 1-1 game. But then you don't add anything else on. Raffy grounds out on a four-seamer. Bogarts grounds out on a four-seamer. So you felt like right then and there after Kike doubles, Story brings him in. You felt like, okay, here comes some more runs. Well, it didn't happen. Then the bottom of the fourth inning, J.D. reaches on the Bichette era, which, again, that was one of the themes of tonight. Bichette is just an absolute mess defensively. I don't know how much longer they can keep that guy at shortstop. He was a very negative defensive player last year, had the 24 errors, had the 13 throwing errors, two more tonight. That guy is a very damaging defensive player. So you have first and third with no outs after Verdugo singles on a slider that was down in the zone. First and third, no outs. Dahlback swinging bunts. Came off his bat at 69.5 miles an hour. He just doesn't look right right now. And then Arroyo down on strikes looking. It was a borderline pitch, but when you get two strikes on you, if you're a Christian Arroyo, you've got to offer it that. And then Wong grounds out to the pitcher. So opportunities in the fourth inning. Definitely an opportunity in the first inning. Definitely an opportunity in the third inning. So right then and there, you're talking about three of the first four innings of the game. You had an opportunity to really put up a crooked number, and you only generated one run. And that's where I just keep coming back to the fact that I think it's going to happen soon, that this offense is going to break out and they're going to start raking. But at some point, it's going to have to start to happen because right now, the Red Sox have been a mediocre offense in terms of where they rank statistically. 237 average entering tonight. Last year, they were 261. That was third. They're 14th right now. On base percentage, 23rd at 290. Last year, they were 7th at 328. OPS, 777. That was third. This year, they're at 685 which is 16th runs per game. The Red Sox last year, 5.14. That was fourth. This season, 4.50. That's 11th. So my whole concern with this team entering the season was, hey, do they have enough in the pen? What's going to happen at the back end of the rotation? All those things. I'm not saying those those questions are completely answered, but that group, I don't want to say they've overachieved, but they've been better than I thought they were going to be so far this season. And if my question about this team is the offense, which I felt incredibly confident about coming into the season. If that's my question about this team, I actually feel somewhat good about where they're at right now. All right, a lot more to get into. If you want to weigh in, 617-779-7937. If you want to react to anything Alex Cora said, certainly welcome to do so. What do you make of where the bullpen's at? 
And a big thing is, what do you expect from Nick Pavetta tomorrow? Because this is, I know we're early, but this is about as big as a third start for a pitcher can be in a season because this guy has been a complete disaster so far this season. He does not look like the pitcher we saw in the postseason. I feel somewhat optimistic about Pavetta. I'll tell you why in just a little bit here on EI. The Greg Hill Show, weekdays 6 to 10. Now, here's what's trending on WEEI. All right, trending now on WEI and WEI.com. While the Sox beat the Blue Jays 2-1 to to take the opening game of this three-game set, Nathan Evaldi, four and two-thirds. He gave up one earned. He surrendered seven hits, which included a solo home run to Zach Collins. Trevor Story now with a six-game hitting streak after an RBI double. Connor Wong with the game-winning RBI, a sack fly. The Sox and the Jays will play the second of their three-game set Wednesday night at Fenway. 7-10 first pitch across the Shaws and Star Market. WEI, Red Sox Network, pregame starts. At 6:10, with Mutt, Nick Pavetta on the mound opposite Jose Barrios. The Sox announced earlier today that Christian Vasquez and Jonathan Arauz are on the COVID list. Kevin Plucky was already placed on the COVID list. The team called up Connor Wong, who of course had the game winner today, Ronaldo Hernandez, Rob Rushnider. So COVID situation already presenting itself with the Red Sox this season. And we already know that Tanner Houck next week will not be pitching in Toronto because he's not vaccinated. Now, Alex Gore also did say last week or over the weekend that there's more players that are not vaccinated. Told Joe Castiglione on the pregame show as well. So we'll monitor. If we get any updates on that, we'll certainly pass it along. The Seas and the Nets play game two of their best of seven Wednesday night at the Garden. The Seas coming off that 115-114 win over the Nets on Sunday. Meanwhile, Kyrie Irving, he's been fined $50,000 for flipping off the crowd and swearing at fans. That's what's trending now on WEI and WEI.com. I didn't feel great out there today. I felt mechanically I was off somewhere. I, I couldn't really make the adjustment. I felt like maybe the fourth and fifth inning, I finally started to turn the page. But, you know, by then I was already, game was already kind of out of hand. And, or, uh, I'm sorry, not out of hand, but, you know, my pitch count was up there. So, you know, it's always frustrating to me when I have those long innings, like where I'm, they're fouling off a lot of pitches or I'm falling behind in counts, especially on nights when it's cold out. You know, I, I feel like it's tough for our offense to be able to put things together. You know, their pitcher, Kikuchi, was unbelievable out there. You know, he was attacking our guys, coming right after them, and, you know, the defensive plays that he made on the mound as well. So, um, you know, I just feel like i got to do a better job of attacking the batters and just going right after them. I felt like the game plan I had tonight was good. I just got to do a better job of executing my pitches. All right, that was Nathan Evaldi after the game tonight. I tend to agree with what Evaldi said. I did not feel like he had his best stuff whatsoever. In fact, the way that you can look at it, the highlight, and I briefly mentioned this earlier, he threw 12 splitters, eight swings, no whiffs. Now, ordinarily, that's a pitch that he gets a lot of misses on. This season entering tonight, when guys swing at a splitter, they miss 43.5% of the time. Last year, that was a really devastating pitch for him as well. Guys were whiffing 32.1% of the time they offered at the splitter. So that kind of told you right then and there that he didn't have his best stuff. The one issue that I have with his outing tonight is I don't feel like he needs to throw a cutter to Zach Collins, who took that deep, of course. I'd much rather him throw his curveball. It's a better pitch. And if you're going to throw that to a lefty, I'd much rather it be a curveball than a cutter. I get why he wants to throw his cutter to lefties. And I think sometimes he gets caught up because he has so many pitches. I would just much prefer him throw that cutter there. His cu- I mean, excuse me, throw his curveball there. It's nasty. I, I don't know why he's so gung-ho on throwing his cutter as often as he does. I much prefer him throw the curveball. It's a much better pitch. Then I go to the top of the fourth inning, and this is where I give Evaldi a ton of credit. And what he's saying there is he didn't have his best stuff, but we see it all the time. Look at Nick Pavetta when he doesn't have his best stuff. The guy gets hammered. Look at Garrett Cole tonight. He doesn't have his best stuff. He's walking the ballpark. He walks five guys. Nathan Evaldi, this is what I love about this guy. He sacks up and he gets through it. He gives you all he has, even though he doesn't have his best stuff tonight. As I mentioned, like he didn't even have a splitter. Top, it was a non-entity. He didn't get any strikes on it. No called strikes, no whiffs. It was a non-entity and he still got through this lineup. I go to the top of the fourth inning and this, and he mentioned the fact that guys kept following off his pitches. I give him a ton of credit here. So top of the fourth inning, Chapman singles on a four-seamer. Kirk then reaches uh, this guy, two swinging bunts for this guy, Kirk, tonight. I mean, come on. Ridiculous. Two swinging bunts this guy gets tonight. But anyway, so he reaches on a swinging bunt. Then of all these strikes out Tapia on a four-seamer. He battled back from a 3-0 count. It was a seven-pitch at bat. Unbelievable resilience from Avaldi in that particular situation. Then I go to the next at-bat from Santiago Espinal, who, of course, he was traded in the Steve Pierce deal. The Red Sox clearly won that one. But nonetheless, he eventually strikes Espinal out on a curveball. 
He was up 0-2 on the count, and this is where Evaldi's talking about the fact guys just kept following him off. Took 11 pitches to put him away. He fouled off six. So that's when you knew, yeah. What an early Evaldi gets a guy down 0-2. He's going to make quick work of him. He clearly couldn't do that tonight because he didn't have his best stuff, but he fought and he got Espinal. Then he got Springer to fly out to, to end the inning, and that was 29 pitches in that fourth inning. So that's really why he couldn't go deep into the game was that fourth inning in particular, and that was kind of evident of how the night was going for Nathan Evaldi, that he just didn't have his stuff. But I give him credit because he fought back and he made sure to keep this team in the game. He knew he wasn't going to go deep at that particular point in time, but he was able to keep the team in the game. All right, 617-779-7937 is the number. If you want to weigh in, what's going on with the offense right now? Will they turn it around in short order? I hope they do because they need this offense to get going. What do you make of the bullpen so far this season? If you want to weigh in on all these performance stats on the table, and how worried are you about Nick Pavetta going tomorrow? 617-779-7937, the number. Let's get to Mike. Mike is in Connecticut tonight. Hey, Mike. Hey, what's up, Brian? How you doing, Mike? I'll tell you what. Now. Good, good. Before we get to the Sox, it was nice that Kyrie Irving showed us his IQ again the other day. <laughs> that was something, man. That was something else. Oh, that was a great game. Well, hopefully... Tomorrow night we'll go up two and all. We can talk about that, but I'll tell you what, Brian. Uh, you brought up that Garrett Cole. Can you believe that Aaron Boone said, "Oh, I should have took him out earlier." He doesn't like to pitch in the cold. Are you kidding me? <laughs> I mean, you paid him to be a pitcher in New York, Mike. It's incredible. I mean, you think you're regretting regret that contract, Brian? Oh yeah. Well, remember too, Mike, when they had the crackdown on the sticky stuff last year, his numbers went oh, yeah, completely down. And he, and he said, remember, oh, he yeah. was like complaining about saying, for Pete's sakes, yeah. like work with us. I mean, that guy is saw that guy's angel food cake stuff. Mike, remember what happened on opening day? He was pissed yeah, off, he, and he was there was a yeah. Minutes. He's pissed off at Billy Crystal. There was a four minute delay. <laughs> he couldn't handle. He called it unforeseen circumstances. You were pitching oh. four minutes later. I mean, yeah, that guy's incredibly soft. I'm glad he's a Yankee. He's, he's soft. But, Brian, I'll tell you one thing. I, I don't know what it is about this back. That, that was a terrible low at bat when first and third there. You know, he's got to make some kind of contact instead of hitting the ball, you know, right back to the pitcher. And then the umpire, that was clearly a ball on Arroyo. You know, yeah. I feel good when Arroyo was up there. That was a terrible pitch. Yeah, it was not a well-umpired game tonight. Angel Hernandez, oh. of course, got himself involved early with that. I when know, JD was, get involved. Yeah, with Kikuchi there when he went to his mouth again. So he knew he was going to get himself involved. But, yeah, this situation with Bobby Dahlbeck, I felt like, and I was told by multiple people, I mean, Bradford told me the guy had an outstanding spring, and I have no reason to, and if you look at the numbers, he did. Right. So Bradford was telling me that, and Dahlbeck told Bradford on his podcast, like he changed his approach on two strikes. He wasn't striding. But clearly just uh, not in a rhythm yet. And they need him no. to get going. And the thing about, Mike, the thing about Dahlbeck is this. He's going to have to start looking over his shoulder because the number one oh, prospect yeah. in the I'm organization. Bring that up. Yeah. Yeah. Now, Brian, what, what are you going to give him a leash to? To end of May or you think you think he might be up before that? Because I really, that kid's got a beautiful swing. I would rather just, you know, bring him up early, let him start platooning now. Well, see, here's this thing, Mike. I don't think they'll do that. Like, I don't think they'll bring Tristan Cassis up to only play against righties. I, I just can't. If they're bringing up their number one prospect, right? I mean, I'm not comparing the two players. They play different positions. Like, for example, when the Rays bring up Wander Franco last year, they're putting him at shortstop. He's playing every day. That's what's going to happen when the Red Sox bring up Tristan Cassis. He's going to yeah. go into the lineup, and he's going to play every day. So, I mean, it would behoove the Red Sox, not like they have control over it, but they need to get Bobby Dahl back going because eventually if you oh, do yeah. want to trade the guy down the road, then right. you're going to have to get his value up. Yeah, he's got to show something. Now, Brian, I I like Whitlock closing. I know they want to stretch him out this and that, but I feel very happy when he comes in in the ninth inning. I don't know about you. Yeah, I do too, Mike. The only thing I'll say, and I appreciate the call as always, my friend, the only thing I'll say is – they want Whitlock to factor in in as many games as he possibly can, right? Because of the fact that you know that after – and look, right now he may be your nastiest pitcher. I mean, he's developed this slider this year. And look, he threw it last year, but it's way better this season. But if you look at it on the season now, Whitlock has pitched nine and two-thirds. So he's pitched more innings than Pavetta. Pavetta only pitched two innings the other day. He's pitched more innings than Rich Hill. 
So those are two guys that are in your rotation. <laughs> and Garrett Whitlock has thrown more innings than both those guys. So the whole idea with Garrett Whitlock, think about it from this perspective. The Red Sox this season have won six games. Garrett Whitlock has now pitched in four of them. So I really believe that the Red Sox are on. Now, tonight was the perfect opportunity to put him out there just for the ninth inning to close things out. But I feel like this is something that the Red Sox, real I don't want to say stumbled onto because they obviously figured this out, but they want to figure out what is the best way to deploy Whitlock where he's pitching in the most amount of games that you're winning. That's what you want to do. That's what you want to do with Gary Whitlock. I love how they're using him. I understand, like, the train of thought of, oh, you want your closer at the back end, but I don't want to save Whitlock for those opportunities. I want Whitlock to factor into the game earlier if you need him in that particular situation, right? And this is the thing that really had me excited the other day is, and look, we're not going to see it for a while, this is the plan with Tanner Houck. They wanted to do this with Tanner Houck and Garrett Whitlock because after the game, the lat, not Rich Hill start the other day, but last time Rich Hill started, the week prior, Alex Cora said after the game that they like Whitlock after Hill because it's a totally different look, right? Obviously, Rich Hill, crafty lefty, soft-throwing lefty, right? And then you bring in Garrett Whitlock, who's got 95, he's got 96, he's got the filthy slider, now he's got the nasty changeup, and he's coming, of course, from the right side instead of the left side like Rich Hill. They like those guys back-to-back. Cora said after that, after he mentioned that, that that's what they liked about Tanner and Chris Sale. So their plan was to piggyback Tanner Houck after Chris Sale. So really, if you think about where the Red Sox are at right now from a pitching staff perspective, they really could have had Garrett Whitlock or Tanner Houck pitching in four out of every five games. If the plan went according to plan, not to be too redundant, if Chris Sale didn't go down with the injury prior to the season. That was the plan for the Red Sox. And I think a lot of you would admit if that was how the Red Sox are going to treat this thing, it would have looked a lot better, right? Because of the fact that, well, Deakman's throwing the ball pretty well. I mean, sometimes the guy drives me nuts with the walks. But overall, the guy's had some pretty nasty stuff this season. And then you look at the fact that Robles has been nails. I mean, ever since he had that one bad outing to begin his career here, he's been really good for this team. There's no way around that. I mean, the guy's been outstanding. Five innings for Robles this season. You know how many hits he's given up? One. He was absolutely filthy tonight, by the way. I mean, oh, boy. That strikeout of Guerrero, where Guerrero couldn't pull the trigger and he's complaining to the umpire about the call, that was a strike. That was a strike. And then he comes back to who? Guriel with that filthy slider on the outside portion of the plate. The guy had no chance. So he's been really nasty. And I give the organization credit because Cora mentioned after the game tonight, they fixed his mechanics. They also had his slider usage go way up. He is change-up rate went down when he came here. So they found something with him. Strom's been a revelation. I mean, that guy, holy crap. The thing I like about him is there's no wasted time. I'm going to attack you, right? Now, I'm not comparing the two guys, but that's like with Whitlock, right? Whitlock is attacking you, and he's attacking you in the strike zone because he has enough confidence in his stuff. He believes he can get you out with his stuff in the strike zone. And that same thing can be said about Matt Strom. Matt Strom has been somebody that has only walked one guy. The last time he walked a guy was on opening day. So think about that. If you had Strom, you had Diekman, you had Hansel Robles, and then you add Tanner Houck into the equation with Garrett Whitlock, okay, that looks like a pretty good bullpen. And you know you have Chris Sale and James Paxson coming back. So I really would have felt a lot better about where this team was at to start the season if Houck was in the bullpen because I do feel like that's Houck's best role because it feels like it's difficult for him to harness his stuff for the entirety of a start. Now, tomorrow, Nick Pavetta on the mound, worried about that one. Nick Pavetta has been absolutely hammered this season. Now, I will tell you this. Alex Cora said after the game the other day that they feel like they found something with him mechanically. And I hope that's the case. And I tend to believe Cora when he says that because his velocity on his fastball is down two miles an hour. In fact, the other day, he was throwing 92.5 miles an hour. He's a 29-year-old. It's not like he's 37 or he's 38 and he's like CC Sabathia in his latter years with the Yankees. And I give CC credit. I mean, he adjusted. He started throwing a cutter a lot more. And he was a productive pitcher forever for that organization. But my point being, I don't believe that Pavetta all of a sudden just lost his fastball. Because he's been getting absolutely hammered so far this season. So I, I have to believe that they figured something out mechanically. I hope so. The guy's giving up 17, 17 hard hit balls this year. 17. 
He has a hard hit rate over 70%. That means balls off the bat 95-plus miles an hour. I mean, he is getting absolutely hammered. And his walk rate's over 14%. So I hope tomorrow he's got this thing figured out. The Blue Jays, remember last year, they he had a re, he had a gem against them one game that they lost, that doubleheader, I remember, in July. And then he had a game at Fenway where they absolutely rocked him. So it's really feast or famine with Nick Pavetta. He needs a good one tomorrow because that's a guy that you were depending on for innings in this rotation. Evaldi doesn't go deep today. You're going to need Pavetta to give you some innings tomorrow. 617-779-7937, the number. Let's get to Alex in Connecticut. Alex, what's up, man? Hey, Brian. How you doing? I'm doing well. Uh, I mean, that one was a playoff atmosphere, as Cora said. I mean, I was nervous watching that one, Alex. Yeah, I'm I'm the same. Yeah, yeah, you know, because the last game, it was horrendous. You know, like Cutter Crawford, he sucks. I mean, really, that was painful. Yeah. It was really painful. I it couldn't wait till he – I don't know why he waited so long to pull him. And, you know, he gives you that – you know, the camera goes in on him, and he gives you that Bob Stanley face. It's like, oh, God, you got to be kidding me. And, you know – Well, I'm and, Alex, I'm this thinking, is what I'll say, Alex, just to react to what you said about Crawford. I feel like he has good stuff. Here's the issue is he had the good outing against the Yankees. He was He was great in that game. But then he comes back, and he gets hit hard, right? And then it felt like after that outing, he came back yesterday, and it felt like he was afraid to challenge guys in the zone. So he got a little bit nibbly. He was nibbling. So it felt like he overcompensated five walks yesterday and the wild pitch. The previous outing, he gave up eight hard-hit balls. So it felt like he sort of overcompensated for the bad outing. I'm just concerned they have got to put him in a lower-leverage situation because here's the thing, Alex. You had a chance to win that game. It was only 4-2. You had a chance to win exactly. if you were the Red Sox yesterday. So you can't trust him in a big moment right now. I don't trust him at all. I mean, he, except for that that start with the I mean, his, the, I, I, I mean, I, I look on, you know, the stats and look like this last three, four outings, he's just been getting hammered. And just, you know, it's... Yeah. It was oh, it's ugly. It was really painful. And I tell you, you know, I, I'm, I'm, I've been worried about Dolbeck since the beginning of the year to keep, you know, you know, striking out and striking out. And, and here's where I really got a problem. I mean, we got, we got, I mean, we really have some problems here. The bottom of the order, the, the, this bottom of the order, we've got a problem with, you know, we got a problem in right field. We've got a problem at first base. And we got a problem with a catcher. And those, those that bottom three, we're lucky to get a 200 hitter out of the seventh, eighth, and ninth spots. I mean, what do you got, Travis Shaw? And or, or, or yeah, or, and or, Al, I don't or, know or why. Tra- look, I, I don't know why Travis Shaw is on the roster. Quite frankly, I, I just don't know what purpose he serves. I, I really don't understand that because I guess they want him as like a late inning bat, but I don't trust. Him. It looks like he's swinging a weighted bat anytime he's at the plate. So I never understood that move to begin with. Why they wanted Shaw? On the roster, as it pertains to as it pertains to right field, I really felt like Alex. They thought they were going to get Suzuki, so and look, maybe down the road you'll see them make a move there. But I actually felt like today Arroyo looked a lot better in right field than he has the majority of the season. I mean, and not like that saying like he was unbelievable, but I mean, I feel like he's getting yeah, I agree. Especially I mean, the first ball he caught, yeah, made him feel good. Jackie's swinging the bat better than I thought he would. I mean, he's been. I, I'm not telling you that he's <laughs> going to hit for a good well, average. Only in the last two games. Yeah, but realistically, going on on on, on history, if we get if, if Jackie's a great fielder, if we get you know we can carry a a, a great fielder and he can hit 200, and then hopefully you know he can deal with it. Well, we yeah, Alex, your point's a good one. Your point's a good one. I feel like the big spot is first base, right? Because you kind of equate it that your catcher is not going to hit. We know what Vasquez has been for the past couple of years. I will say this. Ploiecki hits lefties. I mean, that's a good thing. But factor in the right field, you're probably not going to get a ton of offensive production. Although I do think Arroyo will hit lefties. He hit 328 against lefties a season ago. But first base yeah. is really the thing you need. You need one of those guys in the back three to be able to hit, and that's got to be Dahlbeck. And if it's not Dahlbeck, it's going to have to be Tristan Cassis. Yeah, because we got to do something. We can't. He can't take a chance to have the, the. The we're going to give give away three outs like that. We can't. Yeah. Seven, eight, nine. We're going. We can't have three two hundred hitters. We can't. There's no way we're going to be able to go anywhere with that. Yeah, I'm with you on that. So, the other thing so I'd say though, the, Alex, is the other thing with this team is they got to start getting after these starting pitchers. They're not getting after the starters at all. They're doing all their damage against the bullpen. 
And I appreciate the call, Alex. His line's open if you want to grab it at 617-779-7937. That's been one of the biggest issues with this team. I gave you the numbers. The first three innings of games, this team is not hitting. All right, 617-779-7937 is the number. Do you feel like this lineup is going to turn it around? Are we going to see an outburst from the offense? You got Pavetta against Berrios tomorrow. Are you concerned about Nick Pavetta on the mound? I'll get into that in greater detail. The number 617-779-7937. Brian Barrett with you up until midnight here on EI. All right, I'm worth you up until midnight. 617-779-7937, the number. Big question right now with the Red Sox is when is this team going to start to hit? I'm confident they will. I'm just waiting. I'm not panicking. I believe they're going to hit. I'm just saying, like, I'd like it to happen. Relatively soon. I mean, they need the offense to get going. I've been impressed with the way that Strom is throwing the ball. And Robles, I just like to see the offense get going a little bit. But just to piggyback off what we're just talking about in terms of some of the holes in this lineup, I don't feel like there's a lot of lineups across the sport where you can look at it and say, okay, they don't have two weak spots, if you will. You look at the Yankees, for example, who they did win tonight, but Garrett Cole walked five guys. You look at their eight and nine spots. Kiner Falefa, who can't hit. And Higashioka, the catcher, he can't hit either. So when you look at it from a Red Sox perspective, it's you can live with having two spots where you're not going to get a lot of production offensively. I mean, ideally, you'd like to have it all. But it's really the Dahlback spot. That's the spot that needs to start hitting. Dahlback's got to start doing something. Right now, he's at 152. He's striking out like crazy. I told you, he's worse than... He's the worst in all of Major League Baseball in called strikes plus whiffs. I mean, he's been atrocious when it comes to that. You felt like, okay, another year. And remember, he was red hot last year. He had that outstanding finish to the season where really, if you look at it from the start of August to the end of the season, he was one of the best hitters in the sport. 683 slugging percentage, 14 home runs, 1053 OPS, 288, 369. They need that guy to get hot right now because... I'm past that point with Vasquez, and I know he's on the COVID list right now. Of course, he hit a home run yesterday. I just don't ever believe he's going to be the guy we saw a couple of years ago that could bang out 20 home runs. He's not that player. He was one of the worst hitters. No, I shouldn't say one of the worst hitters, but from a power perspective, one of the worst in Major League Baseball last year. Slugging percentage was 352. That was 153rd out of 161 qualified hitters. I've just passed the point where you're going to get anything out of Vasquez offensively. The one thing he does handle is high velocity, ironically. I don't know how the hell he does that, but somehow him and Verdugo. Now, obviously, you can understand why with Verdugo, but Vasquez and Verdugo were the two best hitters on the Red Sox last year. 95-mile-an-hour-plus pitches. I don't know how Vasquez was that way, but he was. Ploiecki can hit lefties, so occasionally get some production as it pertains to Ploiecki, but it's really that one spot. You need And look, I believe Arroyo's going to hit against lefties. The one spot you need is Dahlback. That's the guy you need to get going. Because, I mean, even, and I know the Blue Jays have some injuries right now, even their lineup. Chapman did not hit at all last year. Tapia's not going to hit. Espinal's not a good hitter. So they have spots in their lineup. And look, they don't have Teoscar Hernandez right now. They're dealing with some injuries. But overall, yeah, the Blue Jays have one of the best lineups in the sport. They have holes, too. So I'm not overly concerned about the catcher spot or the right field spot. I'm more concerned about Dahlback. That's the guy they need to get going. And if they don't get him going, well, then it's going to be time for Bobby Dahlback to look himself in the mirror and say, yeah, well, maybe that Tristan Cassius guy's coming up. Let's get to Sal, Sal's and Saugus tonight. What's up, Sal? Hey, how are you? Doing well. Um, I, I, I share your concerns about the hitting, but I believe it will happen. And when it happens, a lot of this, I don't want to say weather-related. It's still early. I, we're in great shape with the bullpen. We need a few more pieces. Hayne Bloom will find them from other teams like he found them because that's the relief pitching thing. On the hitting, when the Sox hit, the, the fourth, fifth, and sixth hitters, those innings will bleed into better pitches for the seventh batter. And it, it's got to be one of those three. And, I, and to me, it's got to be the seventh batter. So when that happens, so it's going to be weather-related. Exactly. And yeah. and when that happens, it's going to be weather-related. It's, it's been nasty. I'll look at today, horrible weather. So when that happens, the, the, the Sox will – not the slugfest every game, but it, the lineup will stretch out from the fifth, sixth, the seventh hitter, and the eighth hitter will come up with a different Yeah, Sal, I'm with you on that. My, my only point is – and I'm with you. I mean, these guys are too good not to hit, right? This is going to be one of the best lineups in the sport. My only thing is, like – 
the way that these guys are throwing the ball out of the bullpen right now and some of the outings you've gotten from some of your starting pitchers, I feel like they're wasting good performances. You know what I'm saying? Oh, I agree with you. Yeah. I don't know. I'm not happy with Pavetta. And, and there's a few games that like we should have been able to pick up. But that's, you know, there's 160 games. And, you know, I'm not happy about them, you know, that happening. But I, I just really believe that the, that, that number seven slot is going to take care of itself whether it's Dahlbeck or not, once the hitting starts, because right now... Well, and I guess, you know what, Sal, Sal, I appreciate the call. I guess that's the one thing you can look at is if Dahlbeck doesn't produce, you have a guy that is the number one prospect in your organization that plays his position. So at least there is that element to that. If Bobby Dahlbeck doesn't start to hit, you have a guy coming up from AAA at some point in Tristan Cassius, who is the best prospect in your organization, depending on what entity you look at, it's him or Marcelo Mayer. Let's get to Robbie and Acton. What's up, Robbie? What's up? How's it going? Good, man. What do you got? Uh, how about that bullpen so far? Unreal, man. Unreal. Yeah, no, and especially because, like, Blue Jays are going to give you, like, they get – they're going to just, like, rack up the pitch count because they got probably, like, one of the best lineups. So, like, to see just the bullpen come in and, like, shove and win a 2-1 game is pretty impressive so far. I agree with you, Robbie, and I appreciate the call, man. It's an interesting point because that was one of the question marks we had with this team. But I think one thing we have to look back, and I know everyone's, like, freaking out today. I heard Lou going nuts about the staff and the bullpen. I think one thing that Bloom does deserve is the benefit of the doubt because of the fact that if you look at last year, you needed a reliever at the deadline, right? We all said that you got one in Hansel Robles, who from August on, he was the most consistent reliever outside of Garrett Whitlock on this team. You needed a bat at the deadline. You got Kyle Schwarber, who was the best bat that moved at the deadline last year. Look at some of the moves he's made this offseason. Diekman was a hit. Strom was a hit. So when I add all those things up, I trust that Bloom. And he admitted that the bullpen is not a finished product. I believe that Bloom has the ability, and he's shown a track record of putting the right pieces around this team. So I trust that is going to get this thing fixed out. Right now, to me, if your biggest concern is the offense, which it is right now, that's the most underperforming entity of your team, if you will, then I think you don't have as many problems as you really thought you did. All right, thanks to Ethan for producing. I'm back with you tomorrow after the Sox and Jays. Have a great night, everybody. Be safe and be well. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.